everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Joy and Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy, even in infertility. Happy February, guys. I cannot wait for you to hear my conversation with my new Southern friend, Jessica Satterfield. If you don't recognize her name, you may know her better by her Instagram account, Grace While We Wait. Jessica is a writer and speaker, an adoptive and foster mom, and someone that has never given up hope. And I'm not talking about the shallow kind of hope that we say a lot throughout our day, like, I hope I get pregnant, or I hope God gives us our heart's desire. Jessica's hope comes from a crushing, as she calls it, that as you're going to hear in a few minutes, has just produced something so powerful in her heart and in her life. There is something that happens in the valley. There's something that's produced there in our hearts, in our character, if we allow it to be, that you can't find on the good days. You can't find that on the mountaintop seasons of the soul. And what she has found, guys, has brought her to such a beautiful place with her relationship with God. You're going to hear throughout the conversation today, Jessica refers to God as the Father. You can just tell she is so intimately connected with with her Father, with God. And my prayer is that her closeness to Him, her hope in Him, and her trust in Him will rub off on all of us today by the end of our conversation. So let's get right to it. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So you are a speaker, blogger, Instagrammer, and passionate advocate to women who are waiting. But most importantly, you are a mom to three really adorable kids, two of which are asleep right now in your house, supposedly. But for our listeners who don't know you yet, can you tell us a little bit about you and your family? Yes. So I live in South Carolina with my husband, Brandon. We have been married for 10 years this June. It feels like it was just a minute ago, but also feels like so long in the same. Um, I, we have journeyed through infertility. We've been waiting and believing for um, biological miracle babies for eight years now. Um, we have two miracle babies through adoption. Sayla is four. And um, the wait for her was, she's just everything that we could possibly have imagined. Um, her name is Sayla Grace. And then we have our three-year-old Micah. His name means gift from God. And that's exactly what he is in our family. Um, he is three and a spunky little guy, just so wild and um just definitely keeps me on my toes. And two summers ago, we um, were asked to take a little boy. Um, at the time, he was so he was seven or he was eight, and um, it turned into a kinship care um, situation. And then, long story short, we have ended up um, being his foster parents. So we are fostering. He's nine now, and he is smart and funny, and um, curious, and such a such a delight to our family. So we have three kiddos, which keeps life super busy around here, <laughs> and I am a writer. I write at gracefamilywrite.com, and I also speak um, to women all over the country. 
I'm just coming off of my sixth weekend in a row of speaking. And so I'm oh like, goodness. oh my goodness, do I have any more words to share? <laughs> but we I'll will always find do. out. <laughs> always do. So um, yeah, and then I also um, run a ministry called The Garden. It's a nonprofit for women walking through infertility, miscarriage, miscarriage, infant loss, and adoption. And our vision at The Garden is just to connect women on the broken road to motherhood, to healing and wholeness. And essentially, we're connecting women to the healer. And we have just seen so many crazy miracles in The Garden um, lives that are just absolutely completely restored and redeemed, hearts that are healed, bodies that are healed. And I think our last count, this was from last summer, we've seen 41 miracle pregnancies wow. and babies. So wow. it's it's been such a journey of just walking with these women through the hardest moments of their story but watching the Father just redeem and restore what has been lost and and knowing in the most vulnerable parts of their lives, there is a crossroads that we come to, whether we press in or we walk away. And so being with these women as they've pressed into the heart of the Father and realizing that He is the gift. Pregnancy is not the gift. Babies aren't the gift. He's the gift. And um, it's just been like such a joy to, to do this with them. That's what I was about to say. I love the fact that the garden, the focus isn't 41 babies. Yeah. Are there miracles? But the, mir- there's the miracles that came before that where lives were restored and hearts were healed and lives were changed. That's, that's, that's what God does too. Those are miracles as well. And the focus, I just love what you just said. Pregnancy is not the goal. No. Um, getting close to the Father is. I love that. And I also love your accent so much because I told my husband last night, I said, I've never heard heard her speak, but she's from South Carolina, so I know it's got to be thick. We're from North Florida, which is basically South Georgia, but have been out of it for, have have been in Texas and now Kansas City for almost five years. So feel like I lost a little bit of that. So if by the end of this, I'm right there with you, I'm <laughs> twanging it up, then I'm going to be a very happy girl. <laughs> Somebody so, told now me. And people say, there's an accent. She's got an accent. Oh, Where's yeah. she from? <laughs> Somebody told me over the weekend, they're like, man, you're, you're from the South. And I'm like, yeah. And but you were in Texas, which is also right. the South. <laughs> right. But there's and a difference. They're like, yeah, you really talk Southern. And I'm just thinking no. to myself, Okay, I don't know what to say to that, you know. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, definitely have a southern accent, but I guess it's something you don't notice, you know. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I love it. Makes me feel like I'm at home. <laughs> so, how did you guys start your? How did building your family start? Adoption, infertility, the whole process. Yes. Yeah, so we had been married for two or three years, um, and we, I mean, I'd always known that I had wanted to be a mom ever since I was always a little girl carrying around baby dolls and um, just majored in education. I have a master's in curriculum and instruction. And I just knew that, you know, children were definitely something that we wanted. And it wasn't even something that we talked about. We just knew that we wanted to have children. And actually, I felt this deep calling on my life to be a mother And so whenever, you know, we started trying to get pregnant and it just wasn't happening, we were just so frustrated 
and like, Father, like you've called me to be a mom and you're not, you're not giving me children to mother. And so it was just so hard and frustrating. And it felt like everyone around us was getting pregnant and all of our friends who weren't necessarily trying to get pregnant. They suddenly found themselves pregnant and um, we went several years just quietly walking through this journey alone and it was just so isolating and just just incredibly hard. And so um, it, I think it was during those months of just doing this alone, like there's no one else who understands. We did several medicated cycles we did three rounds of IUI, and then we, um, I'd had several surgeries. And then, to make a long story short, we, um, Brandon and I had already, had always wanted to adopt, but like most people, we said, oh, we'll have our own first, in air quotes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when people say that because I immediately correct them, and I'm like, yeah, my kids are definitely my own. Um, but what we were meaning was that we definitely wanted biological children first and then we would adopt. And so, um, we had been trying to get pregnant for about three or four years. And at that point, um, we were kind of at a crossroads and Brandon had been talking about adoption for a year, like even when we were doing treatments and stuff. And I just... I wasn't there yet. I didn't really want to close the door to biological children. And so we, I'd had a surgery and then was on Lupron for a while. And then it was either we start IVF or we were just going to be completely done. And so Brandon and I were kind of on different pages. And so he reached out to um, just some men in our church at the time. And they were like, hey, you should come to this meeting. And um, we ended up going to the meeting, and it was the first time that I sat in a room full of women who understood what it was like to want children so badly and for children to not come easy to their family. Mm-hmm. And for just just the healing of even being around women who understood and who got it, um, was just absolutely amazing. And I just remember sitting through that meeting, like crying the entire time because I was just so overwhelmed that we were seen. There's something very powerful about being seen, like knowing that you aren't forgotten, that your story isn't forgotten, because I think it can feel like that. And in the trenches of infertility, you're going to Walmart and Target and baby showers and out to eat at restaurants and even at church, like all of these places that you just can't escape it. Like you cannot escape it. I remember watching TV and even there being commercials about babies. And I'm like, I can't even watch a show without being reminded of this thing that I don't have in my life. And so just being in that, in that room full of women who understood was just so powerful, but something happened that night. It was, um, we didn't know this, but they were actually meeting to start an orphan care ministry at our church. And the people in that room were going to kind of pioneer this thing, which 
it has grown to be this huge ministry there now, which is awesome. But we saw these videos of these kids and I finally just said to the Lord, and I mean, this was after, you know, a year of Brandon saying, okay, I I really feel like we should pursue adoption. I'm ready for this. And me just kind of, isn't it always like that? Like one spouse is like so ready to take the jump and the other one's like, no, no, no. I need, you know, like, what is it? The fleece from Gideon. It's like, I need three signs or whatever, which is so silly. And I feel like I don't the women that I interview and I know our story, it's always been the men that are like, they're just, they're, they're moving the ball forward. They're not sitting still. And we're like, we need a minute. We need a break. We need a process. Yes. We need to pray. And they're like, yes. nope, we're doing this. If we're not doing this, we're going to do this. We're doing this. Right. right. So I think that's just how God created men to just keep making progress. And it was totally that way. And then um, at the end of that meeting, the father just did something in my heart. And it was, it was, it was this moment of surrender where I just said, father, what do you want my family to look like? Like, I want my family to look like what you want my family to look like. And even though I didn't, like, bury that dream of biological children, I knew that in the moment we were to pursue adoption. And so I gave God my yes. And it was a weak little yes at the moment, but it was a yes. And so I was so excited to tell Brandon um, we got in the car to go home after the meeting. And I just was so excited because I knew he was going to be so happy that I was finally there. And his face was white as a sheet. And I was like, what is wrong with you? And he said, you're not going to believe this, but this stranger in the meeting who we had never met told us that he was going to give us $10,000 for adoption. And so Immediately, whenever I gave my yes to the Father, I stepped out in faith, and we were immediately met with provision. Oh my goodness, that's crazy! Yeah, yeah, it was. It was so crazy. It was definitely just. It's but isn't that just the Father's heart of? He just wants a yes from us, and Mm. and the yes is just us saying to him, I trust you because you're my father and you're going to take care of my every need. And, you know, I don't, it's just laying down, laying down like what we think is best for our lives, what we think will make us happy or whatever it is, the dreams or, or whatever it is in our life. When we just lay that down and we just have this posture of open hands to him, I just love that visual of our hands being open to him because when we're our hands are open to him, not only can he have our yes, but also we're in a position to receive from him. And that's exactly what happened that night. I gave him my yes to adoption and we were immediately met with provision. So right after that meeting, we immediately started the adoption process for Sayla and within nine months from the day that we brought her home, she was born. Or from the, from the moment that we started the paperwork, exactly nine months later, she, we brought her home, which is just so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just awesome. how the father just, which is really fast for an adoption. It is. Um, but it was just a beautiful, her story is just so beautiful. I love it. And 
that's why I say like all of my kids are miracles. The way that they came home to us, it's just absolute miracles. And so um, that was kind of the start to growing our family. And then when Sayla was nine months old, um, her birth mother called us and asked if we would also take the baby she was pregnant with, which was Micah. So 16 months, um, Sayla and Micah are 16 months apart. And um, Micah, I mentioned earlier, his name means gift from God. And it's exactly what he is. We weren't necessarily looking for him, but I can't imagine our family without him. And so he came home to us and then um, that's kind of our family. Wow. So I know it's kind of a personal question, but do you, do you guys have plans to do more treatment or is it just kind of a waiting game to see what, what God does? Yeah, we, I've learned so much since I've, I'm definitely have matured in my walk with the Lord. Um, we definitely just like learn so much about God's word and we just, we personally just believe God to be true to his word. And it's one of those things like you believe God's word is true or you don't. And Isaiah says that it's by Jesus's stripes that we were healed. And so we are just walking in that healing and we are taking God at his word that he is a healer and that um, we we know that healing is our inheritance. And so we have chosen not to pursue treatments or medicine or anything like that. Not that we're against that or not that that's not for other people, but um, for Brandon and I and, you know, our family, we've just, we are just pursuing the father and we just know that he is, a man true to his word that he doesn't lie his word is true and so that's what we're declaring over our fertility that we're not infertile but actually we're fertile and we're fruitful and the father calls me healed and so I want to believe the truth of God's word over what doctors say um, over what other people have spoken over me and it's really something that we get to partner with. I get to partner with the Father in my healing. And so um, what that looks like practically is me taking God at His Word and declaring life over my womb. And um, whenever someone says something, our our kids, um, we have this thing around our house and we truly believe the Bible says that our words, we either speak life or death in Deuteronomy. And so we choose to speak life in our house. And, um, every once in a while I'll say something and I'll hear my kids yell from the other room, mommy, you're not speaking life. And and they're like the the best little Holy spirit convictors. Like, oh my goodness, they will just catch you in a moment, which is so great. And like, oh, you're so right. Yes. And so we just declare life and um, we just, we really believe that our words have power because we carry the resurrection power of Jesus. I mean, he, Christ in us, the hope of glory, like 
he is in me and that's what I carry, his resurrection power. And so at the end of the day, we either believe God is true to his word or we don't. And so we are choosing to believe that and we know that we will see um, a miracle pregnancy manifest. And it'd be awesome if that was tomorrow, but if it's not, we're going to keep declaring and believing until we see it with our eyes. So has adoption and fostering, has that softened your desire at all for biological children or are you, is the desire, do you, would you say the desire is still just as strong today as it was in the beginning? Yeah, I feel like it's, I, I love this question because I feel like especially for my children, I I want, I'm so careful about what I write on my blog, about what I write on the internet and the words that I say that um, are are published for people to hear. And there's going to be a day that they are reading this and that they are listening to this. And so I love this question and I wish that I could just like banner this over everything that um, I write or I say, but it, it truly is like my kids, they are miracles. The way they came home to me are miracles. And there's something, there's something special about them because they're the ones that made me a mom. Sayla is mm-hmm. the one that made me a mama. And to long so many years to be a mother and to finally be called mom, it has, it's just the biggest gift. And I truly believe that there, it's worth the wait. She was worth the wait. Micah was worth the wait. Our foster son was worth the wait. And so for, for them to call me mom is everything. But as far as your question was, has it softened um, the desire for biological children? At the end of the day, I know that healing is my inheritance, and I know that I was created to bear children. And so I guess the longing to be a mother has completely been fulfilled in them, but I also know that God has already paid for my healing through Jesus. And so we want to see that healing manifest in my body. And I mean, there's, there's so many things that come along with infertility and just the daily lifestyle of, of living with, you know, there's so, there's so many reasons why women aren't able to, to have children. And so we just truly want to see that miracle manifest because we know that it's our inheritance. And so um, I guess, I don't know if I'm making sense. I feel like I'm like going around in a circle, but as far as being a mother, like my children have absolutely, like they have made me a mom, but I also know that God has more miracle children to bring into our family. And we're, we know that the next few years that will be through biological children. So I I don't think that it's necessarily soften the blow or I don't know if that is the right word to say either. I just know that they're all miracles and a mother is such a gift. And however that happens, you can't, 
you can't trade it. Like you just can't put a price tag on it. You can't even explain the beauty that has found in hearing that name, Mama. And so, um, yeah, we're just, we're so blessed. We're, we're just so blessed. We're so incredibly honored that our kids get to call us mom and dad. And it's truly the greatest honor of my life that these babies that don't look like me and they don't share my same skin color and my same DNA and genetics, that they truly are mine and they are my own kids. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a similar question to just because you have one kid, you know, does that change your desire to have, you know, is your desire for more children? Is it, is it weakened at all? Because you, well, you already have one and that's not, that it's actually kind of, sometimes it can be more of a desire because you have it, you have that desire for your kids to have that too. Um, so there's a lot of factors there, but you said, you said that some of the hardest parts of your journey, you've actually found deep intimacy with Jesus in those moments. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that's looked like? Yeah, I just, I truly believe that there is something that happens in the valley. There's something that's produced there in our hearts, in our character, if we allow it to be, that you can't find on the good days. You can't find that on the mountaintop seasons of the soul. You can only find, there's there's only something in the valley that can be produced there and no other place. And so in these hard seasons of my story have truly been moments of time, like I shared earlier, where there's a crossroads and you get to choose, am I going to press in or am I just going to walk away? And it's by the Father's grace that I just keep choosing Him because He's that good. And there's just more of Him to know. And it's been in those hard seasons that He turns. I always explain Him. He's like so, there's so many facets to the heart of the Father. And I think of Him like a stained glass window, like one way. When the light shines in, you see a different pattern of colors, but then the light turns just a little bit, and there's a whole brand new set of colors that you didn't even know was there. And I feel like the hard parts of my story, I'm always finding different facets of his heart. And so it's this place of, I just want to stay in this posture of desperately needing you, Father, because I know that there's more of you to find. And um, just the dependency that I've found on him, who he's said that I am in the hard seasons have really developed my character. And I mean, in Romans, it talks about, I always get this verse messed up. But it talks about how suffering produces perseverance and then how perseverance, it produces character and character produces hope in us. And we have to have the hope for us to go through suffering, the hard parts of our story. But it's that continuous cycle of being, our minds being renewed and being more made like the image of Jesus. And there's just something that's found there that 
is a deep, deep well. And I think we look at people that have maybe have platforms or Christine Kane, for instance, or Lisa Turkhurst or whoever it is for you. Um, Lisa Brevere, you know, Olive Havila, all these women with these platforms, there's been a significant crushing in their in their secret place, in, in the in the place of their story that we don't see. There's been a crushing that's happened that's produced what we see on the internet or on the stage or wherever. And that's we look at them and we think, oh my man, they're amazing. They're the way they said that or what they carry or the anointing that they carry, whatever it is, that's so amazing. But we don't, what we don't see and what we don't take into account is the crushing that's happened in their life. And there cannot be a great depth to who you are and to your maturity and your walk with the Father without a crushing. There, you just can't. You can't have this really amazing, rich, fruitful, tasting wine without crushing of the grapes. And then that wine gets put on a shelf for years and years and years and years in the dark where no one sees it. And then it's come out and it's this amazing wine that tastes awesome. And we're like, man, that's awesome. But I feel like so many people just bypass the process when we're in fact, the father, our journey with him is always a process. And there's always a depth of him that I want to find. And I know that that depth, not always, but most of the time is found in the hardest parts of my story. And for that, I wouldn't trade it for anything. The beauty and the intimacy that I found in him and the really hard moments of our story is just, you can't trade that. There's not a price tag that you can put on that. Jessica, do you have anything else that you want to share with the ladies that are listening? Yeah, I feel like uh, so many women in the infertility community, they're constantly waiting for the next thing, waiting for the next treatment or in the two week wait, or, um, you know, what, what what's the next thing that we're going to pursue to grow our, grow our family? And I've just been so passionate about there because we have the hope of glory living within us. Um, it says Christ in me, the hope of glory. He's actually a person. Hope is a person. And we have hope living within us. And hope is the confident expectation of good. And so we can confidently expect good to come into our life because we carry the very person of hope. And so I feel like we miss out on so much that the Father has for us when we're constantly looking forward to see, oh, well, if I can just get through this season or if I can just get through this month or if I can just get through this treatment or if I can just get through this waiting and this adoption or whatever it may be, we miss out on the goodness that the Father has for us in that moment. And so the great news is we don't have to wait for hope because we already have hope now living within us. If we're if you're in Christ Jesus, you have the hope of glory living within you. And so 
we can confidently expect good. And I just think that's so powerful whenever we, um, in the Greek, it's called metanoia, and it means to change the way you think. And it's the same language as used in Romans 12, too. When we transform our mind, we renew our mind, transform the way we think. We don't have to keep looking forward that there's going to be good there because, in fact, there's good now. And that's in the person of Jesus. So I would just encourage you with that today that you don't have to wait and look for good to come because you already have like the very best gift living within you. And I I say this so often, but I really do feel like it's true. I feel like women on the journey of motherhood, it's much like a bride in their wedding. I feel like we look at, at, at a baby like, oh, we do a wedding and Brides plan for their wedding and they they prepare for that day for so long and then they get married and they're like, wait, I didn't prepare for the marriage. And I feel Mm -hmm. like so many mothers do that. They wait for so long to have a baby and they finally get the baby, but the whole time they haven't been preparing to be a mother. And that's the thing that's going to last forever. That's the thing that really matters is we're not just waiting to have a baby. We're waiting to be mothers because we get to mother the next generation. And I want to mother in such a way where my kids are called oaks of righteousness and Isaiah 61, a planting of the Lord for the display of his glory. I want my kids to, to grow up being so planted and who the Father is, that their lives are just this big display of His goodness. And I can't do that if I'm just waiting for a baby. That only happens when I'm preparing to be a mother. And so I think there's just this shift that can happen whenever we realize that we have hope now, that we have goodness now, and that I'm not just waiting to have a baby, but I'm preparing in this season to become a mom. So what would you, how would you encourage us to do that, to prepare, not just to get pregnant or not just to have a baby, but actually start preparing to be a mom? I just, I think finding deep intimacy with the Father and really learning what does it look like to walk in deep friendship with Him? Because in Him is everything we need. And in First Timothy, it talks about how um, he, we have His anointing and His anointing is our teacher. And there's so many moments in motherhood that I would not have known how to respond. I wouldn't have known um, the decision to make in the moment had I not developed and cultivated this deep friendship with the Father. And I'm constantly asking Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how do I do this? Holy Spirit, how do I, how do I mother these kids? How, what should I, how should I discipline here? What should I call forth in them here? Um, And I wouldn't know how to do that if it wasn't that I'd already cultivated a deep friendship with the Father. And so I think the best way to be a mom is to be deep friends with the Father. He's the best parent. He is the absolute best parent. And if I want to be a good parent, then I need to learn from the best parent ever. Yeah, that's good. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on. I can tell that all the crushing that you personally have been through 
it's just produced such a peace and I feel like grace with the way you communicate your story and how you encourage women. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I got an email from a listener this week and she said this about the podcast. What I appreciate and what I need is that every episode is rooted in hope. Not every story has had the outcome that we all pray for, but our hope is rooted in Christ, not in our outcome. I can't think of a better way to sum up my conversation with Jessica than that. As she said, pregnancy is not the gift. The Father is the gift. And in the delay, in the wait, are we going to choose to press into Him or walk away? If we choose to press in, something amazing will be produced in those valleys that just cannot be produced when we're on the mountaintops, when we're in the highs of our life. Have that conversation with the Father right now. Commit to Him to press in no matter the outcome because ultimately He is our greatest gift. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joint Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and He is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.